This is the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health, exploring a wide variety of medical and wellness issues for older adults and their families. Here's your host, Jason Alderman. Hi there, Jason Alderman. This is the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. We're talking with Dr. Kumar Damarajan. Kumar is Clover's Chief Scientific Officer. Kumar, welcome. Hi. Let's talk about what aging parents hide from their kids. I have experienced this firsthand with my parents. You're a geriatrician. You see this a lot, I think. You see things that maybe older Americans are embarrassed to tell their families. What do you see? What's a common thing that seniors are hiding from their families? It's the same things all of us hide from our families, (laughs) right? And so, and with a real parental spin on it, right? And I mean, you're a parent. I just met your fabulous daughter. You provide for her. There's a certain expectation you have of yourself. You probably, hopefully you don't have a lot of problems in your life, but we all run into problems now and then. You probably don't want to share with her every single problem that you have, right? Because you don't want to burden her or get her worried. I think an older adult will feel the same way about their families. They've been providers for many, many years. And they don't want to burden their families. And so then it cuts to the chase. So things like financial difficulties, right? I don't think they oftentimes want to feel like they have to rely on their kids. And again, that's not for everyone, but you can understand that. Health concerns, they don't want to burden their child with health concerns. Evidence that they're not able to take care of themselves anymore, you know, or manage the house, clean it, do the laundry cook for themselves, you know, manage their hygiene, things like that, they probably, in many cases, don't want their kids to know all that stuff. And I think that's just a very human thing. And I think you, it becomes more important oftentimes as, as folks age because there are times when they really can't care for themselves. And that situation creates real risks. And as a, as a child or family member, we want to know about it. But it's all the usual stuff that I just mentioned that gets in the way. I can feel this. I can. This says this sounds very familiar to me. How any thoughts? You know, you navigate this. You often serve as a geriatrician on the health issues in particular. In between, any ideas and suggestions on how to break down these communications barriers? I think it's it's always difficult. I think there are a few strategies. So one, I think we have to start having these communications before real problems arise. Right. It's, always harder to deal with the issue in the moment of the crisis if we're totally unprepared for it, if we've not had the previous conversations. I live in New York City and I see the signs all over the city that essentially say, you know, prepare for an emergency now, have those conversations with your family. It's the same thing. And so before finances are an issue or health concerns are a real issue, I think we should, every so often, there's no magic interval, it's once every six months, once every year, say, you know, you know, dad or mom just wanted to check in to see how you're doing. Uh, and they might just say, fine, fine. But then you'll even say, well, this is why I'm checking in. So, you know, I know you're doing okay now, but it's really important for us to plan, you know, for a time where you may not be doing so well. It's sort of the, you know, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. There might come a time where you might need more help taking care of yourself. Or, you know, we've never, mom, dad, we've never really talked about your financial situation, but I know those medications you're on are really expensive. You're still paying for your apartment or home. Let's start having these conversations. So I think that's step one, which is 
when it's easier to have these conversations, start having them. And then over time, hopefully there's real trust and an understanding for why these conversations are happening. And I can keep going on, but I, I think that's... All right, that's, really, that's helpful. And let me, let's, I want to zero in on the health piece of this because, and I can relate to this personally with my parents, you're not in the room necessarily when your parent is, your aging parent is talking to the doctor and they may not always get all aspects of what they're being told, especially if they've got a serious condition and they may get it, but they may not want to share it with you as their adult child. I have I know of situations where adult children will talk directly to their parents' doctors. Sometimes it's with their consent. Sometimes they try to just, they just call up the doctor's office directly and say, "I'm you know I'm Jason Alderman. I'm Tom's son. I'd like to talk to you." Is that appropriate? So technically speaking, a doctor is not supposed to speak to anybody else who doesn't have who hasn't been um, authorized by the patient for receiving that. So, you know, if you say, you know, Dr. So-and-so, I'd like to talk about my dad and, you know, I'm concerned about this and that, his driving, his memory, you know, technically the doctor is not supposed to talk to you about that. But in many cases, you know, doctors are human beings too. And, you know, sometimes I'm sure those conversations do happen. And so I think the best course there is to try and talk to your parent first to get your parents' permission. And probably that conversation is not going to go at like, Dad, I, you know, I want you to give my, your doctor permission because you know, I'm really concerned about you and I need to know all these things. I'm not sure your dad's going to feel like too enthused about that. I suspect not. But I think it's, hey, Dad, you know, I want to make sure I'm there to help you and make sure I'm doing things that are consistent with what you and your doctor decide. I'm, I know I'm not always able to be there when you meet with your doctor, and I want to help. Can you, uh, you know, sign this form or however your doctor's office does the permission thing so that I can speak to your doctor? And at the end of the day, that is your goal, right? You want to help. But it gets back to, like, you can't just do it in the moment when all disaster is happening. I mean, you can, but it becomes harder in that situation where bad things are happening to your parent and your parent wants to keep it from you. So to that end, I wonder, as an adult parent, as an adult child, and you've got a senior parent, are there red flags to look for if they're, if they're keeping their cards really close to their vest? They don't want to share this information with you. You, you can't get really substantive information out of it. Everything's fine. It's always fine. Are there red flags that you can see from a health perspective that where you really need to push it harder? You need to actually sit down and have that very difficult conversation with your parent. What should I be on the lookout for? I think there are a few things. So one, do you see evidence that you know your loved one is just not caring for themselves physically in the way that they used to, or that their environment is different? So you, it's hard to do over the phone, obviously, but if you are able to like see them at home, does the home seem dirtier, mm. right? Or mm. you pull open the refrigerator and it's all fast food because maybe they're not cooking for themselves as much as they used to. You see bills that are just piling up there and you know, you know, your dad or mom used to take care of them on time. Or really you're seeing in front of you, like there's maybe a memory problem that's mm. cropping up. So your parents can't remember things that, you know, these, these evidence that things are just not going as well as they used to. Their life seems more disorganized. Mm. So I think that's one thing. Okay. I think, you know, and really it's a change that you're looking for at the end of the day. So if they're, if they're always the same level of disorganization, it's harder, right? 
you know, I also think if you have evidence that, you know, the health outcomes are worse, right? There are, they went to the ER, like, you know, there are these sentinel events mm. that I think we really need to dig in. Mm. So they went to the hospital for okay. some reason. Uh-huh. And it wasn't something, you know, that was totally unavoidable. Mm. It wasn't like an elective knee surgery. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, they got into a car accident. That's different than... You know, they went to the hospital and it was their sugars were out of control. They were confused or, you know, some other reason. So if you see evidence of this, I think it's real time to dig in because something didn't seem to be working in that instance. And the question is, what can we do to really help it work better moving forward? All right. With this comes the the question that often comes when you see those red flags and they're not being able to take care of themselves, that they're at this inflection point where something needs to change. You know, a question that comes up all the time is moving in together, having the parents move in with their adult children. Seems like there's a lot of plus sides to it, lots of downsides to it. It's definitely a touchy subject. Some cultures, some families, it's a given. Some families, it would be the last thing in the world they would ever want to do is to burden their kids by moving in with them. Do you have any thoughts on the benefits of having parents move in with their adult kids? And, and if any tips on how to do it successfully for those families that want to do this? Yeah, I think the benefits, and there certainly can be benefits, right? So if there are grandkids there, it can be great for the grandkids and great for the grandparents, you know, if it's a loving relationship. I think they all have something to give each other, right? You know, I also think, though, it's what I mentioned earlier. If it can be planned, it's better, right? And I think there's actually some opportunities for the kid in terms of outfitting their home for the parent, you know, in terms of coming in. So, you know, let's say a parent needs to come into your home because they can't walk up the stairs anymore or they can't cook for themselves anymore or they're falling, right? The child has an opportunity if there's some planning there. Maybe you need to outfit your bathroom so there are grab bars in the shower so that, you know, the parent can hold on to something while they take a bath or, you know, something around the commode to make the, you know, the toilet seat actually higher so it's easier to get on and off. So I think there are real opportunities if they're planning to make it a little easier. Maybe there needs to be a ramp built into Mm -hmm. the home. And these things aren't always feasible, but... If it is feasible and important, it's better to have that set up in advance. You know, and I think this gets to the discussion we had earlier about parents really not wanting to burden their kids. I think having that conversation early and if we can get alignment through these conversations of what is the criteria that we all agree on, at which point it would make sense for you to move in. So doing this long before there's a problem and long before it needs to happen just sort of having this conversation in advance when it's not at a crisis stage, when it, when a decision doesn't need to be made within the next few days. And I think psychologically for all of us, there's really good data here. Is mm. If you and your father, for example, agree on the criteria is, you know, you're no longer able to cook, you can't walk up the stairs, and you're not able to take your medication, you know, on the normal schedule. And when that happens, if you've agreed on that ahead of time, psychology says it's more likely that the action happens rather than discussing it in the moment. So these are hard, which is why I can't give you, you know, responses that are, this always works. Or, But I think being prepared, having the conversations, bringing it out in the open, maybe even agreeing on criteria ahead of time, being prepared, setting up the house ahead of time 
that ultimately not only I think can result in more transitions happening, but more successful transitions. So when the parent does come over, it's in a situation that works. Terrific. Great advice. As always, Kumar, thank you. We've been talking with Dr. Kumar Damarajan. Kumar is the chief scientific officer here at Clover Health. This has been the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. I'm Jason Alderman. Thanks, Kumar. Thanks for listening to the Healthy Aging Podcast from Clover Health. If you like what you heard, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to share with your friends and family. For more information about Clover, visit www.cloverhealth.com.